0: What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dad who dad stuff? The who dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan, you know, that's that's our, our, our champ. <laughs>
1: Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, the Athletic.com slash Duncan Holder is where you can find all of our podcasts. Of course, we're leading up to the NFL draft. So uh, we will have at least one a week, maybe more, depending on what's going on leading up to the draft. So the athletic.com slash Duncanholder or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. They're all over. Uh, so subscribe, rate, review, do all those good things. Uh, So this week on the pod, uh, not a ton of Saints news going on. So what we're going to do is take kind of this week, since our colleague NFL draft guru, Dane Brugler, put out the beast, his NFL draft guide. That is a must read for every NFL draft fan on the face of the planet. Even those in outer space, you can read them too. We're going to do the offensive outlook for the Saints. And so uh, we'll save defense for the next podcast, but offense, like I still think Jeff, that is something that, you know, the Saints are still going to look at. We've talked a lot about holes defensively where they should go, uh, but we're going to look through each position group and look at some prospects. We might think the Saints might be interested in uh, how high in the draft we might think they might go in some of these spots. Uh, and uh, and Jeff, I think, is just glad that he's not going to have to debate me on linebackers quite yet because it is our annual debate, probably dating back to since we worked together at the Pick Union in 2012, uh, but we'll leave, leave that for next time.
0: I don't think I've ever had the Saints taking a linebacker like higher than the fifth round, and I think I'll continue that, but I will say this. In your defense, I will say this. I do think linebacker seems to be growing in importance in today's NFL. I think the Devin White, you uh, know, Levante David dominance in the Super Bowl. And the emergence, maybe maybe it's the emergence of tight end usage, uh, you know, in running backs in the passing game. It seems like linebackers like Devin White and Debo Jones are becoming much more valuable. So I'm starting to kind of turn the corner on whether I believe the position's worth a crap or not. I don't know. So I don't know. Worth a crap. <laughs> Look the Saints the Saints already have a stud linebacker. You know, we're the best in the league in Demario Davis. And uh, they didn't have to spend a high draft pick on one. So um I'll see. I'm not I'm not sold out, but I will say this about our offensive take today. I think if I'm and if I end up doing a mock draft, I'm leaning toward the Saints going offense at number twenty eight in the first round because I just don't see anybody there defensively that fits in exactly what they need at that spot in the first round. So it could end up being a lot like what happened last year where everybody had them, you know, looking at linebacker and all these different positions and they end up taking offensive lineman just because he was the the best guy on the board. I think that could happen to him again this year. And I think a sneaky need, which we'll talk about in this podcast, a sneaky need could be receiver, you know, with losing Emmanuel Sanders and there's so many good receivers. Could this be a year like Brandon Cooks ends up being the you know the first round pick? A guy like that. So, uh, well, I want to get your thoughts on that because that's kind of the way I'm leaning in my first mock.
1: Well, you think about it. Last year, Jeff and the Saints had an immediate need on the offensive line. Look, they cut Larry Warford. Uh, look, I, I was reporting back in the combine and going forward that uh, that. This was that Larry Warford was in trouble and that they they could easily look to move Eric McCoy, uh, either keep him at center or move him to guard. So that need made sense. I feel like if you looked at Mox last year, you, me, like I know you were high on Ruiz. I was taking an offensive lineman somewhere high just because I knew of the need. Like they knew they were going to have to try to potentially plug and play a guy uh, and they ended up doing it. Uh, for the most part, with Cesar Ruiz, as he eventually got in the lineup over Nick Easton. But uh, you know what? Why don't we start wide receiver then? Uh, Because I agree with you. You look at their depth chart at wide receiver, uh, you know the Saints are going to be looking at Michael Thomas to kind of have a bounce back year. And then in that sense, who's number two? It's the eternal question. They have a bunch of threes and some fours. You look at Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris and Marquez Calloway. and I think wide receiver uh, certainly could be in the realm of possibility on day one or day two. Uh, and so I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that's a position that if they if there's a guy that they really like, and you let's reference back to Brandon Cooks. I mean, I think we all knew that they had a big gaping hole at wide receiver there too. So you knew, I mean, they traded up to go get Brandon Cooks. I mean, there were wide receivers everywhere. Remember, I was Mr. Marquise Lee, Yeah, uh, prospect uh, from USC <laughs> at 27 it was at that time. But they traded up and went and got Brandon Cooks. But yeah, I don't think the Saints necessarily need to trade up to go get a receiver. But like, I'm, I'm in the same realm of that I think wide receiver is something that they should address
0: in this draft, either day one or day two. Well, you know, looking at Dane's big board, I guess the argument – you could make against going wide receiver in round one is that he's got 15 receivers in the top 100 in the draft so it's another year where there's a ton of good receivers out there and i guess you could argue you could get a good one in round two round three and the saints have shown that they can find really good receivers in those rounds but i think this could be a year where they get one really high and it could be larry the thing I'm, i'm starting to feel is I think this year the Saints and, and other teams in the league, their boards could be wide, widely different because they didn't have a, a combine this year, because so much of this scouting work was done virtually. I think there could be some real disparities from team to team on how they rank prospects. In other words, when you're looking at these big boards around the league, Dane Brugler's as good as anybody, out there uh you know the the people at espn these other uh uh, analysts just because they have a top 30 that looks similar to each other i don't think that might necessarily be true of the saints they might have somebody at number 28 that could be number 50 on one of these boards we're talking about and i think it could happen that way in this graph where the saints take a guy 28 and he's higher on their board than other teams or other analysts because of this crazy COVID situation that everybody's in. And there could be a wide range of grades. And um, they could end up taking a guy at receiver that would shock a lot of people because of the conventional wisdom of where these prospects are ranked.
1: You mean to tell me that the Saints aren't going to trade up to the top five and get Rummel's zone, Jamar Chase? Come on, let's <laughs>
0: do it. I say we bang the drum right now. Let's do it. Hey, man. Is that guy a stud or what? I mean, is there any doubt that he's gonna not? Be, I think he's gonna be one of those guys that steps in and on day one, is gonna be like a a, a Pro Bowl level player. That, that's just my opinion. I, I, I see no fault in his game whatsoever.
1: I agree. Look, it's not just because of my uh, bias uh, with Raider pride, but still, it is. Uh, like and I and teaser here. I've got a big story coming out on Jamar uh, very, very soon on The Athletic. Uh, it's uh, just a look back at uh, uh, basically where he came from and how he got to where he is. And, of course, he opted out, so the story behind that as well. Uh, but there is no real flaw with Jamar Chase, which is why he's going to be considered number five with the Bengals. So, obviously, I'm kidding. So, let me just throw out some of the receivers who are not going to see. Jamar Chase – Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell. They're off. They're not going to happen. Saints are not going to trade up and go get those guys. Now, everyone else after that, there's a – there's a because at worst, Waddle and Smith might go mid-first round. And then after that, there is a cluster, I feel like, of maybe three or four guys that, depending on the eye of the beholder, where teams could turn, the Saints could turn, so Jeff, I know you're looking at kind of the same board that I am. So let's go, uh, say this cluster of say five guys who Dane consider either first or second round picks of these receivers, Jeff. Who are some that might kind of catch your eye that the Saints might be looking at?
0: Well, it's gonna. I think when you consider a receiver for the Saints, it's gonna have to be someone that is different in traits and skill set than mike thomas right it's going to be someone that complements his game and brings a different skill set to the table than mike thomas because he's clearly your established number one guy and i just keep going back to what sean payton said a year ago i remember at the super bowl in miami when he was doing interviews and he talked about being on the field against the chiefs and against the 49ers and seeing and feeling i think that was the word he uh, used you can feel the speed of their receiving core and i think guys like tyreek hill and in this draft larry there's a bunch of like tyreek hill play-alikes right especially in this cluster we're talking about guys like uh you know Kadarius tony at florida uh rondale moore is a guy i like a lot louisville guy by the way out out of the just outside of the city of louisville uh should have gone to louisville instead of purdue and uh, there's a, a couple of other all guys. All spins back to our bias. It all spins back. <laughs> well, there's another guy like uh, what, what's his name? Uh, there's a, a guy out of um, out of Eastern Michigan that's like uh, you know um, I'm trying to think of his name. Dwayne Eskridge. And yeah, Western
1: Michigan. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Western Michigan. And then there's one more. Uh, anyway, these smaller kind of Smurf type receivers that have. but they're true receivers. So that would distinguish them, I think, from, say, Deontay Harris, who's kind of was a return guy and who's kind of being developed at receiver. I could see the Saints going after a guy like that because, in a way, that is a hole on this team. I mean, number two receiver, now with Emmanuel Sanders out of the mix, I think a player like that, and and that gets back to my original point, a player like that could be – graded higher on the Saints board than other teams because the Saints could could really make a case that they need that player as a starter, uh, you know, that kind of skill set. You put a Kadarius Toney or Rondale Moore in this offense opposite um, uh, Mike Thomas, and he's basically a, a, not only a starter, but I think a key component in their offense going forward.
1: Well, someone in that same ilk would probably be Ole Miss as Elijah Moore. Yeah. Uh, you know, smaller guy, uh, ran a four-three-five, obviously fast. Uh, but here's the thing: to me, I feel like all of these guys we're talking about, top ten, they're all fast. It just depends how if you want fast, fast or just fast. Uh, because look, Terrace Marshall, he is a Michael Thomas prototype more but he ran a four, three, eight at LSU pro day. Uh, That is faster than what Michael Thomas runs. I could tell you that. So are you necessarily married to having to have a burner or do you want to get a a more, probably a steadier wide receiver, someone like Marshall, someone like Rashad Bateman from Minnesota who opted out, but his, his stock has never really drifted too far. Uh, so I think that's the debate that the Saints are going to have to have. Uh, do they want speed, 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 or do they want someone who is still fast but a more bigger-bodied receiver? And so, uh, look, I you know it just I think it just depends on how much they actually think that Deontay Harris can be a part of this or Marquise Callaway can be a part of this. So I think the prototype we would see, depending on who the Saints take, would show us maybe a little bit more of where their confidence level is with a Traquan or a Deontay or a Callaway to maybe mold into some of
0: this. Well, I just I just see the, the way the league is going right now, uh, the way the 49ers run their offense with a lot of this, you know, lateral, horizontal movement, uh, you know, jet sweeps, uh, utilizing receivers in multiple uh, alignments, uh, sometimes even in the backfield. I don't see that guy in the Saints offensive repertoire right now, you know, and I think a guy like Rondale Moore or uh, Kadarius Toney, you plug him in to this offense. I think there's a definite need for that type of player in there. And uh, I, I think that could easily be the direction they go in the first round. I, re- I really could see that happening because when you start looking at the other players slotted around that area, it's players that are already at positions that the saints are very, very, uh, deep at, I mean, offensive tackle. I guess you could make a case they just take the best player available. Uh, you know, edge rusher. They got two of those. Running back. Are you gonna you're gonna draft Najee Harris? No, you're not gonna do that. So it seems like at the end of the first round, uh, the positions, the players that are stacked there are already guys that already at positions that they already have. I think qualified depth and, and talent at. So I would be surprised. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they end up taking a defensive tackle there, but um, I think you could make a case for one of these kind of uh, satellite-back type uh, toys for Sean Payton, and I guarantee you, he's thinking along those lines of I would love to have something like that in my offense.
1: Well, especially look, the offense hasn't been as explosive. I mean, mm-hmm. it just hasn't, uh, and we'll see if that changes with quarterback, but still, it just hasn't been as explosive, and uh, they've had the number one prototype receiver, but like you said, we've uh, we've been asking about this for years ever since Brandon Cooks left. Uh, you're begging for Ted Ginn. Uh, you're you're wondering if uh, you know Manuel Sanders can be a deep threat. Uh, other players, you know, you're just kind of grasping at straws here. And so uh, I think that's I think that's something. I'm with you. I, I think if the right guys there in round one, I think they could go that route. Day two, I definitely think there's a, a lot of potential there, uh, and they've got two picks in the third round, and of course one in the second, so they they're going to have some flexibility to go with uh, in that spot. And just remember, a few years ago, you thought you were set at running back, and they take a running back in the third round, and it turns out to be Alvin Kamara, a position where you didn't think eh, he'd be that third guy, and then all of a sudden he's he's become this superstar player. So, all right, Jeff, let's pivot back to quarterback and we've seen some movement within the division. That's probably going to change up some of the ways that someone like Carolina operates. Uh, will Denver try to move up? Of course, we're talking about how the uh, the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold and have brought in competition for Teddy Bridgewater, or they're going to be booting him or they're still going to draft a quarterback and then boot Teddy Bridgewater. So I think there's intrigue there, but uh, but, Jeff, uh, for me, my opinion has, has taken a bit of a change in the sense that I just don't think that there's someone here that, oh, my gosh, I've got – if I'm the Saints, I have got to draft a quarterback. I don't think they're in that boat right now. That could change in a year. I don't think they're necessarily in dire need. Now, would they draft someone? It wouldn't shock me. Uh, but still, I don't think they're in such a dire need uh, to go and draft someone right now if they don't feel like, all right, we, we really kind of see a trade or two here that we really like.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I could see them looking at that extra third-round pick they got for uh, Terry Fontenot and seeing that as kind of a bonus draft pick and maybe using that pick on a quarterback if they like one, one of these kind of developmental prospects, the uh, you know, the, the kid at Stanford or – or Kyle, your boy Kyle Trask, somebody like that, that they see as a potential starter down the road. But I'm with you. It's not a pressing need right now, and I don't think they're going to be in the mix for the guys at the upper half of this draft. They're not going to trade up and get one of those guys. So uh, it, it's going to be a developmental player. And But it, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that, say, in round into round three. Uh, the way they did with uh, Garrett Grayson and the, you know, they rolled the dice on him. It didn't pan out, but that same philosophy or strategy, I could see them doing it.
1: And of course we're discounting Trevor Lawrence, discounting Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. To me, I, I'd be super intrigued with Trey Lance. I don't think I've made any secret about that, but he, I don't think he's going to be in their stratosphere. Mac Jones, who knows? He might go as high as three. Remember when he was the hot knock to the Saints yeah. at 28 or uh, yeah. I, I think that's kind of changed. So, uh, uh, but, yeah, look, you mentioned Davis Mills from Stanford, Kyle Trask from Florida. Those would be the only two guys for me personally that I would say, all right, I think I'd I'd be good taking a mid-round pick on. Uh, I'm just – everyone else on this list, uh, I just kind of have, uh, Kellen Mond, Ian Book. I've always liked Sam Ellinger and his toughness, but I, I, I understand why uh, it, people would not – be super high on him. You know, Jamie Newman, he opted out and look what's happened to him. His, he should not have opted out and his stock is barely being drafted. You know, someone like Felipe Franks, Shane Bouchelle. So none of these guys, I really think, okay, if they get him, they'd be all day three guys and they'd just be kind of throwing a dart at a wall. Uh, you know, for me, if the saints would ponder one, me personally, I think it was, should be a mid round guy. And I would pick even either mills or Trask. Uh, but I don't think that's that has to even happen if they don't want it to
0: happen. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, when you think about it, Larry, I mean, Jameis Winston is a first-round draft pick, the number one overall pick in the draft that they now have on the roster. It's almost like they got their quarterback, you know, through the draft in a way. I mean, he's he is that kind of talent. And I think uh, along with Taysom Hill, another guy we know they're very high on, I don't see anybody else – Beyond those five we mentioned, you know, the big five in this draft that would be viewed as being competition for Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, right? I mean, you're going to, is Ian Book going to come in and really challenge those guys? I don't know. So, um, uh, I'm with you. I think it's a low priority for them now. But I do think hearing, and I, and I tweeted this out yesterday, hearing that, um, the Saints were at least in the mix or inquiring about Sam Darnold, uh, it does indicate that they still wouldn't they still are in the quarterback market of, of adding to that room at some point point.
1: and i think with sam darnold sam darnold is probably a better prospect than maybe everyone in the saint's eyes outside of maybe say trevor lawrence and zach wilson yeah. uh, so why not throw a draft pick or two and see if it sticks uh, so i get that uh because Let's put it to you this way. If the Saints were in the market for Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or any of these other guys, they'd probably take them. But they're not because of where they are and what they've done. So, But if it was going to cost you, instead of a first-round pick, it was going to cost you a fifth or a fourth or something, uh, I think the Saints, that's why they were probably interested in that. Because, uh, like, I remember getting scoffed at a bunch of months ago when I did that big story about Drew Brees' successors uh, in October. And NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah was way high on Sam Darnold. And then he ended up being the photo of my story and people almost like lost it (laughs) that I was mentioning Sam Darnold in that category. But look, I think people think he's talented and was in a bad situation. So I understand kind of where they would be looking at there Uh, because if you graded him compared to these prospects, why not get him cheap and then figure it out rather than spend a bunch and go get a guy that – you haven't really scouted a ton. I mean, they've scouted Darnold more than they've scouted probably some of these
0: other guys over the years. Well, and and don't you think, Larry, that that's exactly what Carolina uh, came to the conclusion is, hey, we don't know if Sam Darnold's going to work out or not, but but we think he's better than the person we would get in this draft, the ones you're talking about. We think there's more to work with there than – than maybe uh, – or less of a gamble than a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields. So let's pull the trigger. And I think Joe Brady and Matt Rule made that exact same conclusion that you're talking about that yeah let's – and it, it didn't cost them all that much. And in the end, that's probably why the Saints were in the, in the mix too is it, it wasn't going to prove to be that costly of a gamble uh, to bring him in and, and see what he's got.
1: And then you think about it, they might not get a quarterback there at all. What if all of them fly off the board? People will trade up, this, that, and the other. So I, I think they are just going uh, with the safest route that they could, and kind of make sure they have someone there to compete with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, because guess what? If both of them stink, they'll go in a different direction. I mean, that's they're in the they're in a real similar position as the Saints are with their quarterbacks. They don't know who who's going to be their long term starter, and this year could be uh, if they don't draft a guy, they could certainly be having
0: the same conversation next year uh, as they are this year. And I think Atlanta's intriguing, right? At number four now. I mean, what do they no do? Do they pull the trigger on a quarterback? I don't know. I mean, I think I've heard Terry Fontenot wants to draft a quarterback because he doesn't think they'll be up there that high again. Uh, so th- there's a lot of intrigue about the quarterback position. You have three really dynamic situations. And then of course you got Tom Brady at Tampa uh, and then three kind of, uh, wide open situations even though we know matt ryan's probably gonna be the guy in atlanta his successor easily could come out of this draft i'm with you there too um that
1: is going to be a really interesting spot because you know one two three is going to go quarterback 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 so what does atlanta do i think that will be uh maybe a, a changing point in the top portion of the draft so jeff let's move over to running backs and I know you said earlier you maybe you don't think running back might be somewhere they go, and then I brought up the example of not number one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But okay, remember last year when there was some chatter about maybe the Saints going with Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin with that first pick, and instead they went Cesar Ruiz. So I'm not going to put it out of the entire realm of the conversation. I'm not going, if they had someone at 28 and they loved Najee Harris, I don't know. If they love Travis ATN, I don't know. I mean, they did that with Mark Ingram a bunch of bunch of years ago. They were in love with Mark Ingram, and that's why they traded back up to go get him. So that would be, to me, a a situation of they've got Harris or ATN graded much higher than maybe some of the other players around there, and they felt they might be too good to pass up, but – I'm not going to totally discount that. It might sound crazy, but I know you got Kamara. But after that, everyone else is basically one-year deals. And so I'm not going to close the door on that. I think
0: it's highly unlikely, but I'm not going to close the door on it. I'm with Um, you. No, I I definitely think they could draft a running back high. I just would be surprised if it went. In the at the number one in the first round with number 28, I would be surprised there. I could see them definitely second or third round using one of those picks on one of these guys that they might have graded really high, because that also is almost like the the number two receiver position we're talking about. We've seen how how big a role the last few years Latavius Murray has played. Uh, that's a key spot for the Saints, and they use that position a lot. And uh, if you can find a guy that is an upgrade over Murray then yeah you definitely pull the trigger and I I could see that happening almost always though when I think about the Saints when they're looking at a running back I always think of can he catch the ball I know that wasn't a strength of Murray's when he came in but he's certainly improved in that area so when I look at running back prospects and and read these evaluations I think you always have to weigh that heavily in the uh, scouting report can this guy, does he come out of an offense that utilize the running backs in the passing game? Because if you come into the Saints, I mean, the, Sean Payne's whole offense is based on every one of the perimeter players being a threat in the passing game. So you have to be able to catch the ball. It's been a strength of almost every running back that's come in here. It's one of the reasons why they loved Reggie Bush. And uh, so just think about that when you're looking at guys in this draft. Uh, and looking at, at their traits, if you've got a guy that can't catch, he's probably going to be really low on the Saints board.
1: Well, if that is your prototype, then uh, I know he's only had one real major season. Uh, then I would look straight at Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. Uh, our own Dane Brugler has him as second or third round pick, number 68 overall. Uh, he opted out last year but rushed for 1,459 yards in 2019, scored 13 touchdowns on the ground, and caught 51 passes for 610 yards and caught three touchdowns. Ding, ding, ding. That smells like someone that they could certainly look at. Uh, And among the running backs in the top five on on Dave Brugler's list, uh, they have Javante Williams at three. He might be someone you looked at um, as his third running back. Uh, maybe Michael Carter from North Carolina, his team former teammate, he caught 25 passes. But, I mean, Gainwell sticks out like a bow, pow, bow, red flashing light. If that's what you're looking for, someone who can run and catch, seems like a no-brainer to me. But he's only had one year of real big production uh, in college football uh, because he was did that his sophomore year, sat out his junior year. And uh, this is, you know, he's coming into the draft as a, a number four running back on Dane's list.
0: Well, look how many really good running backs, Larry, in the last few drafts have come out of Memphis. I mean, you had Daryl Henderson, who's now a key uh, back with the Rams. Uh, before that, I think you had Tony Pollard, who is now the backup in Dallas to Ezekiel Elliott, who's a very good player. And then last year, you had Antonio Gibson, who was you know, arguably one of the best rookies in the league with Washington. Uh, so the track record of these Memphis backs making the transition to the NFL is pretty strong. And I think it's because of exactly what you're talking about. I mean, these guys come in out of a passing kind of a spread offense and they all can catch the ball and they've all excelled at the next level. So I could definitely see a guy like that fitting in with the Saints. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a, a player that has a little bit of a different skill set than, than uh, Alvin Kamara does. Uh, you know, think about the, the years they had Ingram and Camara, you know, you two different kinds of backs, right? I could see that uh, being the case if they do go in this draft with a running back, but I don't think at all that it's a low priority because that's also a position where you just you never know, right? I mean, all it takes is one injury. It's a collision position. Uh, these guys endure a lot. Of punishment and I don't think you can have enough of them on the roster And right now the Saints that's a position that uh, they really haven't addressed since Kamara in the draft
1: yeah I'll take a stab at a couple later round guys Uh, kind of familiar names to these parts I would say Kylan Hill from Mississippi State uh, had a big junior year uh, rushed for 1350 uh, and then caught a ton of passes under Mike Leach's offense but then opted out, got suspended for a game. So, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why he's considered a later round pick. And then I know someone that uh, we're familiar with uh, just because he played and was such an outstanding running back at Hanville, would be Puka Williams. Uh, super talented guy, yet maturity issues have been the big thing with him as well kind of throughout his career, uh, high school and college. So,
0: like, if you're taking flyers late, Those would be two guys I'd look at man. Puka Williams on that Superdome turf in the Saints offense would be scary, especially a guy who's projected down at the bottom of the draft seventh round priority, free agent kind of grade. Uh, He does have some off the field issues. Now the Saints value high character, intelligence, all these things, you know, uh, intangibles, they value it very highly. Uh, in their draft evaluations, but they're not afraid to take a player with some red flags like Apuka Williams low in the draft. They've done that before. I mean, they've done it in in the uh, undrafted ranks. I mean, Carl Granderson is a good example. So I I wouldn't put it past them to bring him in to camp, and and he would be a dynamic weapon. There's no question about his talent. I mean, that guy could have played at LSU. He could play anywhere. Uh, It's all the other stuff that comes with it, the baggage off the field, Uh, And, you know, would the Saints be willing to roll the dice on him late in the draft? I don't don't think there's any doubt that uh, he would be a dynamic player in this offense if he can uh, become a professional. And I think that's the key. Can can he be be a professional? But another guy with Louisiana ties, Elijah Mitchell from uh, Louisiana Lafayette, guy that ran, I think he ran like a 4-3 at his pro day. Uh, I just keep thinking back, Larry, to what we talked about. Where's the explosiveness in this offense? Right now, When you look at it, I don't see really anybody right now that has explosive traits. Uh, You know, Michael Thomas, that's not his game. That's not what he does. Uh, I guess Deontay Harris is the one guy. Um, That's something I think they need to add is that trait in this draft, whether it's running back, receiver, or both. And let's just go
1: back to your point on taking some flyers on running backs, especially on drafted realm. Uh, Chris Ivory had – uh, maturity issues, baggage, why he didn't get drafted. Uh, Kyrie Robinson, same thing. And then he got him on a, on a rookie tryout. And those guys certainly um, had some production with the Saints. And Chris Ivory etched it out into a lengthy career in the NFL. So it's not like the Saints are afraid to do that on a later guy. They're not, they're not going to take these guys day two. But, I mean, those are certainly a spot where mega talented, see how they fit and, and, and kind of go from there. Uh, all right, Jeff, uh, let's go to – we have tight end and we have offensive line next. Let's go to tight end. Uh, I think tight end is still a little bit of a need, but not as much of a need, uh, given that they draft uh, signed Nick Vanette, who is a, kind of a proven veteran, blocking-type guy. So you have one and two there. Uh, if worse comes to worse, Garrett Griffin would be three. Maybe they sign a veteran. But from all intents and purposes, it's Kyle Pitts and everyone else. So if you don't get Pitts, what do you do? Uh, So it's really kind of something where it's not an Adam Troutman who – I mean, Dane Brugler had him as his number one tight end last year, and the Saints felt the same way. He said, wow, this guy fell. Let's go get him by the end of day two, and now he's going to be their starter. But I don't think tight end is something they need to go run out and get, especially now that they've got – basically the present and future with Troutman and then Vanette can play the Josh Hill role. I'll
0: tell you what I, What you might think about when you look at the tight ends, and I really think this could happen. As a matter of fact, when I do a mock, I am going to mock this into the Saints picks, uh, is a guy like Ben Mason out of Michigan. I, I love this guy. He's, he's a Saints kind of guy. He is a fullback by trade, but also can play tight end. So I could see the Saints... Let's face it, I mean, they, they could use a fullback. I know they signed the guy from Carolina, but I don't think he's etched in stone on the roster. I could see them looking at that position and saying, hey, we could get a, uh, another uh, piece to the puzzle on offense, another gadget player, that, that F position that, that uh, you know jog, toggles between fullback and tight end. That's not really what I think Troutman's there to be. I could see them addressing it with a guy like this Ben Mason dude. If you read about him, Larry, uh, he is exactly the kind of guy I could see them drafting. I think he played fullback tight end. He started one game at defensive line. You know, he's one. He's like a, a modern-day Taysom Hill. You know, he can play all these different positions. Uh, I could see them adding a guy like that in this draft because I th- still think the Saints value that fullback, F-back position. Uh, as opposed to just a true tight end,
1: and I would think, say, day three would be where they went and, yep. and got a tight end. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know they've drafted the last last two you know picks that they've done on tight ends. Uh, I'm trying to think. It may it's a Adam Troutman, and then I don't think I'm wrong, and it's Jimmy Graham. I don't think I'm wrong. Well, didn't
0: they use the? Alizé
1: Mack, would not he a draft pick? True, but seventh-round pick. Like, they're not running out. If they don't have right. a tight end, they're not running out to go get one. So, yeah, no. Alizé Mack, and he didn't he didn't make the team. And so, so yeah, I uh, I think, though, that uh, day three, uh, but I don't think they need to run out and get someone um, unless. But, again, if they do, I think it just goes to show you, well, maybe they're not totally sold on Adam Troutman. But I think they are. So I don't think that's, uh, that's an issue. So, all right, Jeff, along the offensive line, we know that center they love eric mccoy i mean they just drafted caesar ruiz andres pete is in year two of a long-term deal ryan ramcheck's about to get a long-term deal tron armstead could easily get an extension but how many times have we seen the saints draft an offensive lineman when we don't think so so uh, i don't think it's something that again a pressing need but if it's the best player available at 28 by a mile or in round two by a mile, they're going to take it. And we've seen it so many times. And uh, and Jeff, look, if they want to actually ponder this and say, well, Teron Armstead gets hurt all the time and we want to save money at some point, and I mean, they might look for the next person there because when they drafted Ryan Ramchek, they knew Zach Strieff was. Going to be on his way out at some point, I'm sure they didn't expect it right away when he got hurt in week four. And then Ramchek actually had to start for Teron Armstead early that season too, uh, which is why he started every game. But this is not off the board for me, Uh, especially a tackle. I don't think this is off the board for me.
0: No, I I agree 100%. Uh, Armstead's contract situation is obviously uh, something to keep an eye on. And they're always going to have uh an eye toward the future uh general managers and uh decision makers in the league they're not just drafting for 2021 as a matter of fact they're mainly looking at 2022 and 2023 and building a roster and tackle is definitely a uh key position in the NFL I mean it wouldn't shock me to see them take one at 28 if it's one they have graded high like they did with Ramchek, and just living with them as the swing tackle for a while uh, we saw how many injuries they had last year on the offensive line and all the piecemeal work they had to do. Uh, so I, I think the value at that position is so high that you're always going to you know, be in the mix for a guy. And if you can get a, a player like Taron Armstead, I think they got him in the third round.
1: Right. And, you
0: know, didn't have to throw him out there right away, and then he developed into one of the top guys in the league. And then you can move on from Ter- Arms- Ter- Terran Armstead uh, down the road uh, because you've got all these other uh, contract obligations uh, from that 2017 draft class that you're going to have to eventually uh, you know, work out long term. So I-, I definitely think that uh, we know this. I remember last year, uh, the day of the draft, listening to Mike Ball, one of the Saints' uh, longtime scouts, saying... Uh, This was before the draft. He said, you always look at offensive linemen because they're very hard to find big men that are agile at the NFL level. He said, those are some of the hardest people to find anymore. He said, most of the big men these days that come out in high school want to play on the defensive line. So he said, it's very rare to find athletic big men on the offensive line and just look around the league. They're, They're highly valued. So the Saints understand supply and demand. If you can get one of those guys, it kind of gives you an edge on your opponents, and they've done that. Their track record speaks for itself. So I could, I could definitely see them going in that direction somewhere in this draft.
1: And if you look at Dane Bruegler's grades that he has on offensive tackles, he has 16 with at least a fourth-round grade, and 15 of them have a borderline third-round grade uh, total. Of course, we're ta- including the first-rounders and second-rounders and such. So it seems like that there's depth there at tackle. If they wanted to look at someone and make a decision there, like you said, Teron Armstead, he was a third-round pick. Uh, you know, So it, it's something that – and Ryan Ramchek, he was too good to pass up. So it's, it's something that I think the Saints will look at. Uh, I'm not sure that they look really heavily at center because, truth be told, I mean, if – McCoy goes down, you could put Ruiz there, I'm sure, uh, and vice versa. So they kind of they kind of help each other out there. Uh, guard, maybe. I mean, do they love Andres Pete? I mean, that's going to be the eternal question. Uh, they brought James Hurst back and actually gave him more than a one year deal. Who was their swing tackle? And he did a, a pretty good job. And so they probably like what they have there. But uh, you know, I'm not. I'm thinking. If, they're gonna, if I'm going to prioritize, I'd probably go tackle guard center. That would be my prioritized uh, list of offensive linemen that the Saints
0: could look at. I'll give you a, 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 a name, like a day three name that I like. Uh, his name is Coyote Awasika. <laughs> I think I got that right. Good from job, Bu- Buddy D. Yeah, from <laughs> Buffalo. I mean, he's he kind of reminds me when you read his bio a lot of like a Jari Evans. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a pro bowl player like Jari Evans, but, you know, a raw player from a small school, Buffalo, who played a lot of basketball. Those are the kind of guys the Saints will bring in and say, you know what, we can we can develop him. We've got a good coaching staff, Brendan Nugent, the new offensive line coach, very well thought of. We can bring in a guy on day three and let him sit behind their guards and their interior uh, linemen and develop him in. And that's, that's, I could see them easily pulling the trigger on it. They're always going to be in the market for that, but I agree with you. I think more than likely tackle becomes uh, the higher priority um, than say the interior line, just because they gave a boatload of money to Andres Pete, which is still a head scratcher to me, but they could get out of that deal. I think if I'm correct uh, after next season or the year after that, so there is an out there if, if Pete does not progress.
1: Well, Jeff, good thing we decided just to talk offense in this pod, because otherwise if we went into defense, we'd be here for another two hours. <laughs> I, I get the sense. Uh, but, no, great uh, outlook here. Uh, and so, again, we're using the Beast, our own Dane Brugler's guide, uh, and it's it's something that, uh, I, Jeff, I already know you've scoured over it, and I've done a little bit, uh, but I'm going to be doing a ton uh, after this. But uh, but certainly something that I think everyone should check out Uh our our draft coverage is top-notch everywhere. I I think people know that by now. But if you don't, our draft coverage, not just nationally, but on a local level, uh, will be all over it. So uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast. Again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can jump in, subscribe, listen to all our pods, and, of course, all of our uh, written work. Or if you just want the pod, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, the Dunkin' Holder Podcast. So for Jeff Duncan, I am Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us once again on another edition of the Dunkin' Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.